For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. Featuring a reimagined exterior with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and an interior built with robust materials and integrity, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Its durability has been tested to the extreme while the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 449. Matthew Meyer and I will be coming to Seattle on Friday, December 13th. You have to say it that way. You're, I think legally you're supposed to say it that way. Friday the 13th. Uh, we're going to be at the Showbox in Seattle. Go to Nerdist.com slash calendar. I think there's only a couple tickets left, so do it fast. Uh, and we will see you there in Seattle. Uh, I'd like to thank Stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. The holidays are here. The post offices are packed. You don't want to go, you, and you have a ton of presents and things, hopefully, um, that you're going to be sending out to people. You can't carry all that crap to the post office, so go to stamps.com, sign up for an account, print out the exact postage you need, and then your mail carrier will come pick up those packages from you, and you will never need to not only set foot in a post office, but you don't need to leave your house e- either. So there's always the no-risk trial, $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale up to $55 of free postage when you use the promo code NERDIST. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Uh, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in NERDIST. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. This episode is Lindy Ortega, who I love. I discovered her... On the radio, which is something they still listen to in England, uh, I discovered her on the radio uh, two years ago when I was there shooting stuff for the Nerdist TV show. There was this little Christmas song came on. I was there in December. It was called Christmas Eve with You. And it was so delightful that I sent it, uh, sent it back to Skydart. And I said, this is a really delightful song that you would love. And, uh, and then we both fell in love with the album, uh, Little Red Boots. And, uh, and she's great. There's sort of a, a country-esque, old-timey sound. She has a fantastic voice. Uh, she also has a new album out called Cigarettes and Truck Stops. And, uh, and so we kind of became pals via Facebook. And I said, if you're in Los Angeles, whenever that may be, let's podcast you. So she said, sure. We went to Swing House Studios. We, we chatted for a little bit. And then she played a song and sounded amazing. So uh, here she is, Lindy Ortega on the Nerds Podcast number 449. Music Discovery Day. Oh, that's too close to Friday the 13th. Boy, I think those two guys are related. Music Discovery, Friday the 13th. We should talk more. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, 
that I'm so, weird, so, so watch out. So that it doesn't feel like a like a weird job interview. Can I talk like this? Is, it, you, is yeah, that strange? Yeah. No, just grab on. Hold on. <laughs> like like a muscle man? Yeah, just okay. hold on like a muscle man. We could arm wrestle through the entire podcast. I'm into that. Would that be weird? Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Are you guys recording over there? It is happening, Lindy Ortega. It's happening. I'm going to go into uh, airplane mode or podcast mode. Um, so we don't get interrupted. Uh, but it's good to see you, and it's really exciting to have you on the podcast. I discovered you in London, like, almost two years ago. London, England? London, England. <laughs> London, England. Um, I, was, I was shooting some stuff for BBC over there, and I was in a production van, and they were just listening to the radio, which is something we don't really do in Los Angeles, because <laughs> we don't... <laughs> it's a big city, but there's not a lot of radio that I would want to just sit and listen to and uh but you know England is uh, very progressive and they have good radio music and they played uh one of your Christmas songs and I instantly I shazammed the shit out of it <laughs> um and then bought the ten- it was Tennessee Christmas yeah, that's right, yeah bought yeah. the Tennessee Christmas album cool. and it was one of those situations where I was like every song I was like oh this one's awesome oh shit this one's awesome uh, and then, of course, bought the next album, and then you sent me the third, the, the third album that I have of yours. Yeah, awesome. So, um, anyway, I don't know much about you at all. That's why we're here to find out. I want people to know who you are because they should listen to you. So, <laughs> tell me, where are you from? Let's start at the beginning. Um, the outer reaches of the galaxy. Oh, that's basically. really awesome. Well, thank you for coming to our planet. <laughs> I beamed myself down. Um, I'm Space from, music. <laughs> right. I'm from uh, Toronto, Canada. Yes. Canada, yes. Initially. Yeah. Initially. Yeah. And I, I live now in Nashville, Tennessee. Did that happen after Rob Ford? Uh, no. Oh, okay. But, that happened uh, before. Yeah. Okay, I've, I've, I've escaped all that crazy, <laughs> but I hear I get I get wind of it sometimes, but... Yeah, I, I just I've been living in Nashville for two years. Now I did know you were Canadian, but I don't. Uh, so what is the country scene like in Toronto? What did you? There's not a big. <laughs> there's not a big. <laughs> hence the move. Um, not a big country scene in Toronto. I mean, it's. I think it's starting to be more accepted now than it was when I was making music. So, um, so yeah, there's there's it's more accepted. But I, I just thought I should be in Nashville where all my country music heroes have either, you know, rolled through and spent time there, pissed it off or whatever, <laughs> whatever people do. Uh, there's a lot of history that's undeniable. So. Oh, there's no question. I'm from Memphis, yeah. so I know, right. I know Tennessee. And oh, I, there's no history in Memphis. No, there's no, no I mean, no, it's like we're absolutely. trying to catch up to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> I love Memphis, but Nashville is, is sort of like um, uh, a smaller, slightly cleaner Memphis, yeah, in a, in a sort of a, a, a lot way. cleaner. <laughs> it's a little bit. It's a little bit cleaner. I mean, there's definitely, you know, like down, downtown Memphis has a lot of history, and of course, Beale Street's very touristy. Not that Nashville's not doesn't have its tourist strip, oh, but it it's just, does. you know, uh, just in Nashville, just walking. What's the what's the street? The main drag, Broadway. Broadway. Just walking into your random bar there and seeing fucking world class musicians just jamming. It's it's pretty mind blowing. It's awesome. Yeah, it's very inspiring, which is part of the reason as well why I moved moved there. I sound like Tammy Wynette on a bender right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's what touring does to your voice. No, you gotta like, you, you gotta do the draw if you wanna sound yeah. like Tammy. Oh yeah. I'm well, real sorry right now. I'm dude. real sorry that I my voice sounds like this, but I was out 
partying and drinking last night. See, that's what people want to hear from the country <laughs> lifestyle. It's, not, it, it's so funny is that when you think about the 70s where everyone was just way strung out and on, <laughs> on all barbiturates and booze. That uh, I just need some barbiturates, really. You, and then I'll be all right. Just you need some barbiturates. <laughs> I don't know what barbiturates are. I just know that that was a thing in the 70s that they warned us about in school. Right. Like, don't take barbiturates. It sounds cool. It sounds like a fucked up thing to do to yourself. It sounds like a drug that makes your lip heavy or everything just sounds like that. Yeah. But, um, it, it, but, but when you realize, like, when, it, I don't know how those people toured and did all those drugs and did all that. Because you really have to focus and have your wits about you. You do now when people are YouTubing everything you do. So it's, it's a little different. I mean, back then, if you had a crappy show, it took a little while for it to get around, you know. Now it's like right on online. So, so as an artist, do you feel like there's more pressure because you're essentially always performing for the world pretty much yeah yeah you're always like there's doesn't matter if you have a cold or whatever like nobody cares about that it goes up online and and it's there and there's nothing you could do about it does that make it harder for you to try out new stuff if you if you if you're you know if you want to make sure like oh i want to try this out but i don't want anyone to you know if it doesn't if it isn't amazing right away i don't want to wrong impression <laughs> uh, well we tried out a new song last night so um, i don't know there's there's something endearing about it sometimes when when you have an audience that's accepting of, of you trying things out and they they like it cuz they feel like they're part of it you know so yeah. we did we did a duet last night that was a lot of fun kind of like a um, almost like jackson you know the johnny Cash June Carter Cash. Yep. It's kind of that vibe, and um, it was it was great. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was a lot of fun. How did, well, first of all, your ultimate plan, of course, is to go back to Toronto and 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 smart bomb a country music scene. Like you, have to, <laughs> you have to bring it back to Toronto at some point. Maybe. I don't know where I'm going to end up. You know? <laughs> That's a country lifestyle right there. See? You don't know. <laughs> I'm a tumbleweed. <laughs> <laughs> a tumbleweed that might hop a train with a bindle staff and, yeah. and just get off and start playing a show somewhere. Yeah, exactly. How are people... Um, how are people... I mean, now there's, you know... It's, there, there's, there's not really an MTV for artists. There's, I mean, I guess there's, you know, um, Vivo, or you can put you can put videos online. But how? What is your main way of getting out there now? Touring. Just touring. Bringing myself physically to the people, <laughs> and putting on a really great show, and hoping that they'll tell their friends. So next time I roll around, there'll there'll be a bigger crowd. And word of mouth has been really the biggest thing. And I have a great label who's really stuck by me and helped me. Uh, do my thing and it's been awesome so when you're doing with, with country music obviously you know there are standards that you can play and there's certainly I, I feel like a lot of people start with standards and then sort of spin off of there to kind of figure out what their voice is or what what it is that they want to say so when you when you decided like hey country music is definitely the thing that that kind of drives me what was it that you wanted to say um well you know I didn't really think about it I just I just uh when I'm writing songs, I just write from my own experiences. Ninety-five percent of my songs, besides the ones about burying people in the backyard, are from my own my own experiences. And um, so I don't I don't really think about what's going to sound really country or or whatnot. And my love of country really comes from stems from my mom's love of country. So I grew up listening to it, and um, she just made me fall in love with all things southern. And I know it's weird because I'm from Toronto, and I shouldn't I shouldn't have this deep love for it but I do and I, I can't really explain it part of it's just sort of innate I guess you were just called I was called <laughs> by the country winds because there's definitely you know it, it, I hear I hear a lot of different kinds of country influence in there too I, I hear sure. a little bit of 
I, I, there's a little rockabilly, there's a little bluegrassy, there's a little bit of traditional country, and and so is there a is there is there a specific uh, subgenre that you really feel like speaks to you the most, or is it do you just kind of like do you just kind of like pull from whatever? I just pull from everything that inspires me, and it just comes out like that. <laughs> so yeah, it's again, it's not something where I'm like I'm gonna go more like this and and more like that or whatever. I just I just do what I do, and I don't really know how to explain it. But <laughs> um, I, I just love country. I love all kinds of country, but I also love blues and soul and rock and roll, all the classic stuff. Anything you know that sort of preceded uh, the the '80s. <laughs> do you feel like you have to be somewhat miserable to write good country songs? I mean, so much of it is like dealing with tragedy and dealing with sadness and dealing with loss and. You know, do you feel like that's important for country music? Uh, I guess. It, I mean, a lot of people... I said preceding. I meant to say post-80s. Um, sorry. I always uh, edit, correct, correct myself there. Um, yeah. I, again, like, I don't I don't think about it. I, I, I feel like I draw... I was a daughter of two immigrant parents growing up in Toronto. My mom, Irish. My dad, Mexican. And, Whoa! Um, yeah, so... How did they find each other? They... They crashed. In Canada. They crashed into each other on a skating rink in City Hall in Toronto, and and uh, and then they made me. And um, was that a result of the crash? <laughs> I guess like so. they crashed really hard. <laughs> yeah. and your dad was like, "I'm sorry, I think you might be pregnant now." Yeah. Well, this, you know, I do come from outer space, so they needed a vessel, and yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I just uh, I, yeah. So I I was lonely, I guess, growing up because I was an only child. I didn't have brothers or sisters, and it's kind of weird. I was kind of a loner in school. I got bullied when I was in elementary school. So in Canada? Yeah, it happens everywhere. What? Yeah. Yeah, so I know they say Canadians are so nice, and they are, <laughs> but I was bullied, and um, and so I just um, I just uh, I draw from those that those feelings, I guess, and put them into my music because I feel like um, loneliness is inherent to the human condition, and we all we all go through it. So um, yeah, I write about it because I I don't want everybody to feel lonely all the time, and hopefully, if they know that I feel it too, that they know that it's all it's being human. And it's it's not just them going through it. How many nights? How many weeks a year are you touring? Is it pretty nonstop? <laughs> I'm touring all the time. Yeah, I think I tour like six six to eight months out of the year. Is it intimidating to go to a city like Nashville, where you know that? I mean, I, I guess it's sort of similar to if you're an actor, you go to Los Angeles, and it's like, oh, there's a fucking million and a half actors. Like, <laughs> how do you how do you sort of squeeze into the scene, and how do you kind of plant your flag as like, no, but here's I'm different because of this reason. Well, I just massacre everybody. And <laughs> oh wow, you, so you killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> um, not at all. Uh, yeah, it, for me, moving to Nashville was was mostly a history lesson I wanted to go where where the history was and retrace the steps and go to the country music hall of fame and the opry and and learn about things and I already had a team assembled before I moved to Nashville so it wasn't about getting a record deal or getting agents or anything like that and it was really just a change of scenery and um and just a challenge to myself to to see if I could do it, to see if I could leave all my comforts and at home in my country and just start somewhere fresh and new and and uh, see if it was possible. And so it was a challenge to myself. How do you force yourself to write when you don't feel like writing? Uh, 
I don't. I never force it. I feel like forcing it never yields any good results. So <laughs> I just, I just let it hit me. And if it's not hitting me at a certain moment, I just put it away and come back to it when it feels more natural. Do you feel like music is uh, the main relationship in your life? Oh yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's great. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Is this the? Is there anything else that you? want to do or would yes. you, what do you, what do you, what else? I want to chase tornadoes. You want to, you want to be a tornado chaser? I do. I, I have, I'm so nerdy for that. Yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried to chase any tornadoes? Mm, some sometimes I make people and go in their cars because I don't drive, so that's like the first I guess thing that I need to do in order to chase a tornado. But um, I've been out with friends and a storm system is rolling through, and I hear about some mesocyclonic rotation, and I'm like, we got to get on that. We got to chase that supercell. It's heading north northeast. You're driving some serious. <laughs> it's got really strong wind shear. Awesomeness <laughs> right now. Do you understand that? It, it, I think you could probably do a whole album, and, and you have you ever thought about? writing about a literal tornado but then just letting people think that it's about love or a relationship <laughs> or whatever? Maybe I do. Maybe <laughs> what? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Maybe. I can't reveal my secrets. <laughs> oh my God. If I could convince you to do anything, anything, even though you don't know me, if I could convince you to do one thing, it would be to write like a country song. My best friend and I wrote a series of country songs. We were I had a comedy band and we wrote a series of country songs because I'm from the South, I already told you that. But it was about uh, basically they were country songs about science. Because no, there had not been country songs about <laughs> science. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we wrote uh, we wrote about a lot of things. We wrote about uh, um, thermonucleosis. We did, not write it. we did not write it. But what did we what did we write about? Well, we wrote a, we wrote a song called "Death of the King," which is all about the literal process that happens when a body dies, oh, wow. but through the lens of Elvis Presley. Nice. Uh, which Elvis fans were very upset at. Oh. But he died. Yeah. We got to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, and then we wrote another song that was uh, we were about the carbon cycle. Like, because it, it just, country music, it feels like such a great way to express all that stuff. So if you can do it, <laughs> I would beg you to write a, a literal uh, meteorology song, a tornado song. Sure. And just have it be super science What could we rhyme with mesocyclonic rotation? <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, uh, See, it's not that easy. <laughs> harmonic of love nation. Yes, that's great. That's not great. We'll, we'll put it all together. <laughs> There's mesocyclonic rotation is not in that rhyming dictionary. No, I know it's it's hard. It's hard to to do it, but I'm gonna do it. I'll do it for you. Will you please do Absolutely, that? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm telling you that I, I, I the the nerds would go ape shit if because. If there's one thing that's really great, it's a song that's about something that's sciency, and then it's actually a good song at the same time. Yeah. And I think your voice and singing I, a tornado song. I would, I'm really concerned about it. I want to impress the nerds, because I feel like I am a nerd. <laughs> as, look at me. I'm dressed as a nerd right now for you. No, so. but, no, no, no. But you, do, you really, do you really feel that way? You really feel oh, that I've way? Oh, al- was, I've always been a nerd. I am a nerd, for sure. So what yeah. was it that made you feel that way when you were growing up? Well, I was never cool. <laughs> I was never cool at school. And uh, I was an outsider, and I was obsessed with storms. And, um, yeah, I was just – and I was a goofy, dorky. Is dorky a word? Yeah. Yep, dorky, dorky. is a word. <laughs> yeah, so those are all sort of the uh, – do you feel like those were the seeds of, of countryism, of, like – I don't fit in. I'm 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 a fish out of water. I'm I'm Mexican and Irish, but I'm in Canada. <laughs> maybe, maybe to some some extent, yes. Do you speak French as well? Not no. I speak more Spanish than I do French. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
That's really cool. Yeah. So what is your citizenship then? Oh, I'm, I have Canadian citizenship. You do have Canadian yeah. citizenship. You don't get automatic Irish citizenship? for. Well, I could have, but I, I had to do it by a certain age. And I'm 107 now, so I'm way past my <laughs> yeah, age for that. Uh, so when you're in Nashville, are you performing every night? Or is, is no. that where you go? To... <laughs> That's where I go to relax. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I do, we do Nashville on on our tours like we it's a stop on the tour but uh i don't really play as much because i'm i'm touring so much so i'm very rarely there to be honest well have you seen a lot of america at this point yes so what do you what is your favorite thing to do when you roll into it do you are you fly everywhere or do you do oh no i wish i had the money for that no we drive in a, in a hoarder's van our van we call it the hoarder's van right now because it's just packed to the brim and uh there's no place to put your feet it's yeah it's really gross band van <laughs> oh yeah you're living the life the dream that's the dream oh, yeah it's the dream all right i'm telling you though when you when you start making bazillions of dollars and you have fancy like you know loretta lynn style tour buses <laughs> you'll be bored like it'll be comfortable the first time but i promise you, you'll look back and go oh, i miss that van that shitty van where there, where there was no room <laughs> everyone's got their own bus you know like now you're really creating a bonding experience and a, and a community it's, it is actually it's a lot of fun who do you find are the the main uh who who's coming to your shows the most do you do you notice any consistencies in your audience um well, it changes. It depends where we're at. Sometimes it's a lot of like older men. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then sometimes it's like a lot of Social D fans because I opened for Social Distortion. Oh, really? Yeah, I did a few tours opening for them. And so um, their fans have been really great. Like the punk scene has been really accepting for what I do. And they've come out. So a lot of tattooed and rockabilly kind of uh, dudes and girls. And it's great. Oh, that's really cool. What do you think yeah. the crossover is? Like, what do you think the crossover appeal is? Um. I I think it's ma- mainly because I think those kinds of fans believe in people that have a lot of conviction, and I have a lot of conviction in what I do, even though it's not really in one particular lane way or genre. It's, I, I guess you could say in terms of music, I'm a bit of an outsider. I don't really fit anywhere. So the, the punk world, I guess, is happy to accept people that don't really fit anywhere. And I think they also like the fact that, you know, I dress in black. I'm a big fan of Johnny Cash. Play a badass guitar, <laughs> and you know there's an edge to what I do. Do you do you think there'll ever come a point where, um, you know, it's like so the sort of punk mentality of like, oh, we're always on the outside and we're fringe and we're kind of going against the establishment, and then eventually what happens a lot of times is you know a punk band actually becomes big or they actually do kind of become the establishment do you think that's do you think that's a bad thing like are you, is there a is there a level of success that you're afraid of or do you not think about that stuff I'm not afraid of it it's just because it's taken me so long to get to where I am now that I feel like I'll always forever have my mentality I don't think I'll ever get weird about it you know I mean um I have a lot of integrity so I I will continue to have it no matter what happens What's what's your dream scenario? Like when you think of, you know, when you're kind of falling asleep at night and you kind of envision like someday, someday you know, like what I want. What is the someday? Is go it, on tour with Willie Nelson and do a duets record with him <laughs> <laughs> in a, in the in the middle of a tornado. Yeah, in the middle of a tornado. We'll just do a tour of Tornado Alley. That's, That's what, what it is. <laughs> you're, you're playing. Uh, you're 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 singing. Uh, you don't bring me flowers with Willie Nelson on stage, and he's like, thank you, good night, and then you hop in a truck and chase a fucking tornado. Right. That would be amazing. Yeah, it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, but that kind of a dream is not 
that's not, I mean, with the exception of the tornado chasing, that's not a crazy thing. Like, you, you, and with what you're doing, someone could see you, he could see you, someone could get a recording or see you on YouTube or whatever, and then the next thing you know, you could that could happen. That would be amazing. I hope it does. <laughs> How close do you think you are to something like oh, that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's all funny, you know? It's like, it's all connections, and like you said, random things where you hear somebody in a in a van or something, hear it on the radio where you'd never normally hear it, or somebody uh, plays you know, your record for somebody or, um, God, they see you on TV. I was, I was on uh, Nashville, the TV show. I played myself oh, that's awesome. and, uh, a lot of people sort of discovered my music just through randomly seeing me on that. So, um, yeah, it's, you never know what little connections are going to work and who knows. What's the state of country radio now? I don't know. I don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Is it too, is it too poppy? It's just, you know, I like vintage sounds. I love old classic um, ways of recording. Um, uh, I'm not into this uh, auto-tune business and all that stuff. And, yeah. uh, there, I find there's a format, you know, like the whole music row aspect of, of Nashville. is. Um, there's a certain format that people fit, and uh, the music I like doesn't fit that format. Do you like uh, how classic, how, how like... What type of classic country do you like? Are you a Ray Price fan at all? I don't know too much Ray Price. I'm, I'm more like Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, Waylon, Chris Christopherson. But I've been reading about Ray Price a little bit in the uh, Johnny Cash He's biography. older school. He's older school. Yeah. And his songs are so goddamn sad. Like, it is... It's the saddest... I mean, that it was like... It was that style of country music where there would, you know, like there would be like violins in the background. There were string, strings in the background. And yeah. everything was like... Lay your head down on my pillow. You know, it's like everyone's, <laughs> everyone's breaking up and, and sad that it didn't work out. And yeah. it's completely heartbreaking. But if you get a chance, it's, I'll, I'll it's phenomenal. It out, for sure. Did you like that? Uh, did you like that form, that, that kind of Waylon Jennings stuff in the 70s where it started to get, like, there was almost a little bit of funk to <laughs> the country? Yeah, I mean, I just, it's cool because it's Waylon, you know, but I, I mean, I. I always will prefer the old classic sound like I love old old school Dolly like the grass is blue and everything before that um I'll always love Dolly because she's she is who she is but and her music has definitely changed but um it's it's just all old school for me I'm just a truist I guess have you ever gone down like a Dolly Parton YouTube rabbit hole well I saw something on YouTube the other day where she was rapping for Queen Latifah what (laughs) yeah and I was like, oh, it's interesting. <laughs> oh, well, I uh, I started going to, it's like seeing in the 80s, you know, like when she would surprise Kenny Rogers on stage. Yeah, yeah. And they would be in these, like, stadiums of just tens of thousands of people. And then, and watching that woman command an audience and that, and the voice, I don't know, how, it is it... Did you did you have a natural voice like that, or do you feel like you you really honed your voice? Well, I mean, I've been singing since I was about sixteen years old, and I feel like I wasn't singing the way I do now when I was sixteen. <laughs> so, I, I I mean, I I worked hard to to be a good singer, and um, and and it took a, a long time. So I, I can't say I was I came out of the womb, you know, singing amazingly, but <laughs> I mean, I didn't know I could have I had a powerful voice until I was trying to get people to shut up and listen to me sing in a in a bar where people were talking really loudly and I was like, "How am I going to get their attention?" And then I just started wailing and then I realized, "Man, I can actually <laughs> I can hit crazy notes and stuff." And I didn't know that until I was like 22. Uh, do you do any songs in Spanish? 
I, I've tried. I mean, I don't have any like releases in Spanish, but I can do Besame Mucho. <laughs> <laughs> I think a Spanish song and then a tornado song. I, I'm just, I'm trying to help you plan the next album. I think I hope, it's great. I hope that's not. I'd I love to do it with mari- mariachis as well. I think mariachi. Yeah, I want to have mariachis on stage with me, a la like uh, Linda Ronstadt, you know. It's a, it must be kind of, it, I mean, as a touring artist, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. You're like, oh, it'd be really great if I could do this, but it's so expensive to, I mean, it's, I, I'm sure it's, you can really kind of barely break even when you're on the road and you have a bunch of gear and you have to, I don't think people realize like what it's like for, for a touring artist. No, yeah, it's, it, <laughs> we do have a lot of gear. We've decided to call our, our, our tour this time around the more crap tour because <laughs> we just decided to bring like keyboards and extra guitars so and there was a point where we could couldn't fit one more thing into our back area of our van and um you know w- me and my guitar player we both have wrenched our arms and stuff just like lifting stuff and um so that's not the glamorous side of it but it's all worth it when we're you know playing the shows and and there's people there and they're connecting to what we're doing and we're feeling it and that's what makes everything worth it how do you know if a show like what how do you know if if a show is is working do you have a good sense of that yeah usually like there's good hooting and hollering going on people look like they're having a great time and uh yeah you just you you sense that it's like a symbiotic relationship. When they give it to you, you give it back, and it's a, it becomes a better show, you know, for everybody. If they don't, do you kind of go internal and just go, okay, I just have to get through this, or do you, feel, <laughs> or do you grab, the, or do you essentially try to grab them by the lapel? Well, I have I have times where if I, I feel like nobody's paying attention or it's not, you know, getting the attention I think it deserves, I I, I will have a tendency to be more like in your face <laughs> about it. But um, yeah, I, I mean. We've been so lucky. We we have great people coming out to the shows, so we, we don't really come by that too often. I think one of the issues we come by every once in a while is when we have weird monitor sounds, like because this when you when you tour you have like monitors so you can hear yourself, and um, sometimes they're all like old and muffly and like really bottom endy, and you sound like you're singing through a tin can in in the bottom of the ocean, and um, it makes it difficult to hear yourself, and that kind of affects how you perform sometimes because you just don't hear yourself properly, and so that happens every once in a while, but people don't know that stuff but yeah. maybe not but i i think sometimes that the the hindrances are actually like what can make a show special oh i mean my guitar player always says to me you're only as good as your last show and it's always a good a good way for like raising the bar for the next show and and it's always good and humbling to have experiences where shows don't go awesome <laughs> because it just shows you what you can improve on well i just think that i think you i think people tend to remember the shows more like if you know the shows that go perfectly you go, oh, that was great. Actually, that went the way it was supposed to go. But I think you always remember the shows where you go, yeah, we had to knock a guy off the stage <laughs> and the one monitor we had to dry, run an extension cord <laughs> to the next building so that we could play and, you know, nothing yeah. worked right, but we still managed to make it work. Yeah, you're right. Those ones are the most memorable. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite cities to tour in the States? Mm, I love New Orleans. It's one of my favorite. It's just uh, there's this kind of... Um, spooky vibe to it that really calls to me and uh, I love the architecture and I love being close to the swamp I filmed a music video in the swamp and uh, I loved every second of it so that's one of my favorite I love touring Texas just because everybody's hooting and hollering out there and sure. they're they're a nice loud fun audience and um, gosh where else oh I don't know it's all it's always fun LA's fun San Francisco was fun yesterday. is LA fun yeah okay good yeah 
I always feel like LA is not great for bands sometimes because I, I feel like it's. Uh, it, it, I mean, there definitely is a music scene here in Los Angeles, but I, I always feel like it's so everything's so spread out, mm. you know, that um, I don't really think of, I don't really think of, I never think I should go see music in Los Angeles. I don't go, oh, it's L.A., you know, but if I'm in another city, if I'm in New York or if I'm in Nashville or whatever, right. I, I think, oh, we could probably go see some music. But I just, I, I wonder sometimes if, because there are so many industry people in Los Angeles, if it makes it kind of not a great place to perform because it's, the audiences are just, they're just different than other places. Yeah, I mean, the first time I, I, I played here, I kind of felt that sort of industry vibe thing. But, um, I mean, I've, I've had a couple great shows at the Hotel Cafe, which is yeah. a nice little scene there. So that, that's been a lot of fun. So I can only speak from my own experiences. I, I don't know. but um, And hopefully tonight will go awesome. Oh, tonight's <laughs> going to be great. You're playing at the Mint, which yes. is, the Mint is fantastic. Um, <laughs> I had uh, I had some friends of mine. Um, there was a it was sort of an alternative bluegrass band called the Cousin Lovers, and they were phenomenal. <laughs> the but Cousin Lovers, the Cousin Lovers, yeah. But they were <laughs> phenomenal. Um, and in addition to writing amazing bluegrass music with kind of weirdly contemporary themes, also they would bust out in the middle of the set a bluegrass version of the America's Funniest Home Video theme. Like they were really, really, really great band. Um, but the Mint. The Mint has a lot of history, and it and it it even just the vibe of that room is like I could I so see you in the middle of that. It just it seems like it fits your vibe really well. Yeah, I played there once a while ago, a long time ago, and it, it is a very cool room. And I love that there's a Johnny Cash painting right right beside the uh, sound man's shoulder. So <laughs> every time I look at him, I can see Johnny Cash. <laughs> what was it that what do you, when you think of Johnny Cash, what do you see? Like, what is it that how do you, how do you define him? He's um, he's somebody who I'd like to model my career after in terms of um, I think he's so much more than a country uh, a country singer. Um, everybody respects him from every genre, from hip hop to metal to punk to country uh, to folk roots. Everybody loves Johnny Cash, and he was just able to be transcending. And I think it was because he was such a trailblazer and such an individual and so unique, had a unique voice. And um, it was just a good thing that Sam Phillips at Sun Records, you know, discovered that in him and and uh, and, and helped him develop that amazingness. And, um, yeah, just him just doing his own thing and sticking to his guns and going out there and recording a record at Folsom, which was a wild idea. And But he wanted to do it, even though his label was like, no, no. And he said, well, I'm going to do it, and you can put it out if you want to, but I'm doing this. And... Uh, yeah, I love I love everything from his songwriting to his voice to the way he conducted himself business wise. Now, do you do you feel like you have a fulsome idea, which is something that you really want to? I, I mean, I've I've brought it up. I mean, I wouldn't mind going to correctional facilities. Well, not that you. one specifically, but do you have like some sort of an idea that's super, you know, groundbreaking or just an or something that's very personal to you that normally someone would go, I don't know if you should do that, and you go, No, I'm gonna, I really need to do this. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe nothing groundbreaking like that, but I, I'm always coming up with crazy, crazy ideas. So um, I hope to follow through with all of them. I, I want to write a short, a book of short stories, and they're all about like um, 
just weird things like amputees falling in love and like <laughs> and and um and then like a person that runs a morgue and falls in love with her with a dead body and <laughs> all this like weird stuff and uh i want to have a song for every yes every yes. Uh, every short story so like six short stories and then song to to follow up and then put it together as like an ep slash short story book that's a fantastic idea <laughs> When is this going to happen? Whenever I get some time off. <laughs> <laughs> Can you? Are you good at taking time off? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not either. No. Um, do you? What is your? Do you feel like there are trails left to blaze? Do you feel like when you talk about Johnny Cash, you know, he was part of what he had was sort of being on the forefront of kind of a, a revolution in music. Yeah. He had a little bit of timing on his side too. Do you feel like now there are still trails left to blaze? Uh. Only in one respect, and I would think that um, that would be the state of country music radio, given what it is now, I don't feel as a level playing field. And I think there are artists that are coming up now that are demanding attention, and, um, and, and they are getting that attention, and I think it's just a matter of time before the playing field becomes a little bit more equal and it's not just whatever fits whatever's formulaic and formatted to fit for mainstream country radio but also um you know people that are doing more roots here classic stuff is not going to be relegated to just uh americana or alt country but will be allowed to be called country as well and and be thought of in the same respect and and i hope i hope that happens i mean the only sad thing is like People are doing it. Um, Casey Musgraves is an example. and um, But you talk to people about her, and uh, oftentimes it's referred to as an anomaly in radio. It's like, yeah, she's doing it, but she's kind of an anomaly. And it's like, I, I you know, look for the day, and hopefully people will be trailblazing that um, uh, where it's no longer an anomaly, and it's an accepted form, and it can exist alongside uh, people that are doing new country. That's fantastic. And finally, <clears throat> before you play a song, what is your perfect Sunday? What's your perfect day off? A bottle of red wine Merlot, my record player with some um, lead belly or sunhouse spinning, and uh, dancing with myself with candles in the living room. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, I really hope that you... I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I... Uh, have access to media funds and if you ever decide to write the tornado song <laughs> i would love to produce the video for it because i'm telling you <clears throat> there is a whole audience of nerdy folk that if you sang a really soulful sciencey song about tornadoes it, i think it, i'm not kidding when i say i think it would be huge well i'm in love with uh, storm chasing and tornadoes so it's not you don't need to sell me on it i will do it <laughs> i will absolutely do it <laughs> do you do you keep a copy of twister uh with you, you know, at all times there's it's not scientifically accurate that <laughs> so i <laughs> so i can't get behind twister for a lot of reasons it's fine for hollywood it's good sure. for entertaining but it's not scientific it's a little bit of a fairy tale <laughs> yeah exactly um so what you guys are i know you're playing at the mint tonight so we have to let you go in a minute but what song are you gonna play waiting on my luck to change Okay, and do you want to tell say anything about the song? Before well, you? the song was inspired about um, from by 
<laughs> I have to learn how to talk again. The song was inspired by uh, I, constantly touring and uh, fl- taking lots of flights. And I realized uh, w- while I was flying that no matter how crappy and horrible the weather was on the ground, once you got above the clouds, it was always sunny. And uh, I thought that was a good metaphor for people that were down on their luck. That is fantastic. Okay, yeah. Lindy Ortega, uh, we will now, I don't know how to transition over to this, play the song! This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist for a $110 bonus offer, including a digital scale and $55 of free postage. That's Stamps.com. Enter the promo code NERDIST. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. 
Every week, I speak to someone new. Stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.